0: Hi, I'm Vince, one of the team members here at Overlay Christian Church. We're so glad that you're here with us today, especially in the season of Christmas. In just a few moments, the band will start playing and we'll join together for a time of worship. Pastor Mike will then talk about how Jesus can help us find our heart's true home, not only in this Christmas season, but throughout the year. All together, we'll be here for just over an hour. If this is your first time you've experienced an Overlake service, please stop by our Connection Centre in the lobby. You'll meet some amazing people and be given a gift. Just a small way of saying, thanks for being with us today. And just a reminder, on December 24th, we'll be having our special candlelight Christmas Eve services at 4, 6, and 11. We hope you can be here and light a candle with us. There's a little more information on our Christmas schedule in the handout you were given on your way in. As we begin the service, we hope that you'll feel right at home and join in. We're so glad you're here and hope you have a great experience this morning at Overlake.
1: Well, good morning, Overlake. My name is Jessica. i the Worship Pastor.
2: No yeah. yeah.
3: Chasing
1: as we sing these next words let's just open up our hearts to the lord as we're singing. there's no shadow you won't let up no mountain you won't climb up you're coming after me just thinking of all those areas in our lives where we have hardened hearts or maybe places we don't understand he just wants to bring light and love recognize that as we sing those words, we're inviting the spirit to come in and to search those places in us. And what we can know is that as we sing that he's faithful to come in and heal, he's faithful to come in and light up those dark places that we think he would be ashamed of or that he's not big enough to heal and help. We know that he can and he will and he wants to. So as we sing it, let's come to agreement together in this place. He's doing that in all of us. We're going to believe that together for each other and in this place. So there's some work to be done. Let's just come into agreement with that. And just have that mental picture.
3: There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. you won't tear it out, you're coming after me.
1: Come on, let's clear it out. Mm-hmm.
3: There's no shadow you
4: won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, you're coming after me. There's no
5: This, this journey where we started just by declaring that God isn't against us, that he's for us. And then, and then we moved into this, this this declaration that the victory is ours because the victory is God's and he has us. And then we finish by being reminded of why is all that true? Because he loves us. His, his love is relentless. It's, it's passionate. It pursues us. And, 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 and that is the good news. And that is why we gather here at Overlake. I'm Pat. I'm one of the pastors on the team here, and I just want to say welcome, especially if it's your first time uh, with us. We're so glad that, that you made the journey and that you're here, and and I, I just want to point out just one thing in particular, and, and as you came in, you got the handout, and there's great things always happening at Overleg, so make sure you, you, you turn that open and look at what's going on, uh, but what I want to draw your attention to is something we call the connection card. And, and this is just one way, one little tool really that that we use to stay connected and 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 to also care well for you and for your family. So, uh, on the front, you can just update, maybe anything that's changed, an email, or maybe you've moved and you have a new address. Uh, or or uh, on the back is really where the care kind of is able to happen, where we would love to know how we how can we pray for you, or maybe what's the next step that you're taking um, and that you want some accountability and some help and, and equipping on. We, we would love to know those things. Uh, a little bit later, buckets will come by. These can just get dropped in there. It, unless it's your first time we we so badly want to make sure that you leave here with a gift from us uh, a little christmas treat uh, uh from us and so hold on to your connection card and as you exit and you kind of head down the stairs out into the hallway uh just swing by in the lobby the connection center is right there uh we uh, there's some great people that would love to to take your card from you and, and make sure you get that gift from us So let's do this. You're you're surrounded by some great people and you may not even know it because you haven't gotten to meet them yet. So let's give you a chance to do that. And and what I want to do is is equip you with a question. So with the people you meet, ask them what's at the top of their Christmas tree? Is it it a star or an angel or a Go Seahawks neon light? I I don't know. Everyone's tree is a little different. So find out. Meet some great people near you and find out what's at the top of their Christmas tree. Go for it.
6: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is wonderful to be with you. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. You might want to grab your notes out of your handout, and uh, you can see that, that we are continuing this series on longing and this, this concept of longing, it's something that actually is stirred up in all kinds of ways during this holiday season, during this season uh, around celebration of Christmas and the arrival of Jesus, and, and so we're going to kind of track some of the different longings that, that we have as humans around this season especially, and, and this will take us all the way into our Christmas Eve celebration where we t- talk about the, sort of the fulfillment of all of our longing. the arrival of Jesus Christ, and that's exciting that we get to celebrate that. We'll we'll do services at 4, 6, and 11. Really hope you join us and and bring friends and family to that. It'll be a a great way to culminate uh, the celebration of this season. But this idea of longing, right, it actually is reinforced in many, many different ways all around this season. I'll just give you one really quick example, so tangible, and that is the question that we ask kids again and again and again. We ask kids all the time. You think about uh, if you were a kid, you were asked this question, you know, your aunt would ask it, your uncle would ask it, your grandma, your grandpa, your parents would ask it. Go to the, the mall in Santa, you sit on Santa's lap, and he would ask it. And it's this question, what do you want for Christmas, right? And so everybody wants to know, what do you want for Christmas? And so then there's all these Christmas lists that are developed, and, and, and you know, you got to write it and prioritize it and all this stuff. And, and what is a Christmas list? It's just longing made tangible. That's all it is. Longing made tangible, longing identified. And so, uh, like in our house growing up, we would ask our kids, hey, what do you guys want for Christmas? And literally, my kids would say, oh, let us go watch some commercials, and then we'll tell you what we want for Christmas. And we would, I would always kibosh that. I'd be like, no, 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 listen, if you can't figure out what you want for Christmas, you don't want it for Christmas. Like, that's it. But, but I do have compassion for that. L- listen, by the show of hands, how many times has this happened to you? Anyone? Where your spouse asks you a question, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And right as they ask it, right as the words hit your ears, suddenly you have no idea. Like your mind has simply become blank. Anybody? Yeah. It's like, uh, I, I don't know. Just food. I, I don't know. It's so weird. Or, or this has actually happened. I just wonder if this has happened to you, where you, your spouse asks you a question, what do you want for Christmas? And you actually know, you've been thinking about something for a while. And it's a little bit quirky it's a little bit odd it's something that's sort of not in the range of sort of the everyday but you've been thinking oh this would be really nice to have or nice to wear or nice to do and and so they say what would you like for Christmas and you tell them it's a, you're a little nervous but you say oh, I think I'd like this and and they go no no I'm not getting that for you you know they, they edit your Christmas list right it's just a service they provide isn't that nice But I want you to understand this idea of longing. It's just a part of what's built into this season. And last week, if I give you a quick recap, what we did is we talked about the longing for the past that gets stirred around this season. Many different reasons. Longing for childhood, longing for youth or innocence, longing for relationships that maybe uh, were great, aren't great, or have ended. And and so there's all kinds of reasons why we have this longing for the past and nostalgia. But we talked about how with the right intentionality, we can actually turn that longing into past, into praise, into gratitude for the gifts that God has given us. And if we trust God, then we can trust that his timing is perfect for us as he continues to reveal his promises in our lives. And then the last thing we talked about is how Jesus, he comes and he he comes and, and, and sort of announces with his arrival that, friends, these are the new good old days. That because of him, these are the new good old days. And so that longing for the past can actually be redeemed in a beautiful, beautiful way. So that was last week. Um, This week, you'll see, if you look at the title of the message, that we're talking about a longing for home. A longing for home, And, and, and so I did a little research around this concept of home, and here's what I found. I found that home is where the story begins. That home is where the heart is. That home is where the Wi-Fi connects automatically. That home is where you keep your makeup stash, and that home is where your crazies are. And so in broad definition, or in broad strokes, the definition of home means an enjoyable, happy place where you live, laugh, and learn. It's a place where you're loved, respected, and cared for. And from the outside, a home just looks like a house, but on the inside, it's filled with this unique but known comfort, familiarity, and ease. And I recognize not all of us have this association with home because of maybe discomfort uh, in our relational pain in our homes growing up, or because we were moved around from home to home for whatever reason. So instead of me telling you the definition of home, I thought this morning what I'd do is simply ask, how is it that you define home? So go ahead and take a moment to write that down in the margin somewhere. How is it that you define home? What is home to you? What does home mean to you? Because only you can define it for you. Now I want you to take a look at your definition of home. Take a look at how you think about home. And then ask yourself, is that the home you experience now? Or is that the home that you experienced in your past? Or maybe ask it in the future, is that the home that you're currently enjoying? Or is that the home that you hope for in the future? You see, there's another way to address this issue, and it's what do you miss when you're away from home? And the chances are really good that you answer this question with emotions, with feelings, that you've, you have these feelings of comfort, or you have these emotions surrounding good food or being taken care of, much more than just, I miss my big screen television. Although some of you might have that, and, and you're the ones we're praying for, okay? Okay. <laughs> But these are powerful questions because home plays a significant role in our psyche and in our identity. And you might know this about me. Growing up, I actually moved around cross-country every year or two because my father was in the Marine Corps. And so we were just all over. My thoughts about home actually are a little bit confused because there's this sort of, um, it's like I'm not really grounded in home. In fact, the, the nearest I have, the home that, that I have the most amount of affection for that, that I answer when people say, hey, where are you from? This is what I answer. It's a home that I, I lived in when I was in first and second grade, when I was in fifth through eighth grade, and when I was in tenth grade. So I'm the only guy I know that moved into the same house three different times. But that's the house that I have sort of these, these thoughts about, these affections for when I think of home. And then in my current house that we moved in, since we moved up here to the Seattle area, I have lived in three times longer than any place else I've ever lived. Three times longer and, and so I have all of these thoughts and affections and feelings and memories built into the last 15 years of living in this home and, and it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's the home that my kids have grown up in, they all learn to ride their bikes in. Um, it was a fixer when we moved in 15 years ago and the project list just keeps on growing. Uh, most of the time it's a little chaotic and messy. What we say is, uh, hey, we we live hard here, you know, but I, I want you to understand that because of the investment in this home over the last 15 years and the experiences within it, what I think of when I think of home are these concepts. It's a safe space for all of us. It's a space where there's warmth and comfort and love. And, and so what I want to suggest to you today is that maybe what you do is try to hold on to those concepts during this message, even if that hasn't been your experience with home. So if it hasn't been, then I'd love to have you hold these aspirationally right now, as in it's an elevated understanding of the home that we aspire toward. Now, another reality of home is it's a place you grow up longing to get away from, and when you get old, you want to get back to. But as Thomas Wolfe wrote, you can't go home again. And there's a very simple reason why you can't go home. Physically, it's absolutely possible for you to return to those spaces and places. The problem is if you go back there, even if the space is the same and the house is the same, even if maybe the people are the same there, you aren't. You have been on a journey. God has been with you as you've gone through your journey and through experience and education. You have, you have changed and you have grown, and, and you are not the same person, therefore, even if you arrive at your home again, you are not the same, therefore, you can't go home again. And so there's this homesickness that arrives in all of us from time to time. That definition of homesickness is simply that longing for home during an absence. And that's why this message is called a longing for home. It's because we're all just a little bit homesick. And this season might bring that up in our lives. And and what we are homesick for and where we long for can get confusing. I found this quote this week. It says, I am homesick for a place I'm not sure even exists, one where my heart is full My body loved and my soul understood. And so the challenge for us to recognize in this longing, the antidote to our homesickness, uh, just a few different ways we'll tackle this. The first is the challenge to be at home with your family. To be at home. To embrace home with your family. And just be reminded today that family is God's idea. That in the garden, God gave family. That as a people, what God did was he, he invited Israel to become a family throughout the scriptures. God chose a family through which to bring salvation into the world, the family line of David. God sent a son into a family specifically. Family is God's idea. And so it's no wonder that we long for that kind of belonging, that kind of home. However, as you and I know, family can be complicated. And, and the Bible gives us actually glimpse into all kinds of families. Specifically, I want you to think about for a moment, the family that Jesus arrived into. Right? You have Joseph. You have Mary. Jesus is the firstborn of, of this, you know, this family right here. And yet, we know he's not the only child in this family, that he has younger brothers that come along behind him. Now, you can only imagine how interesting that situation would have been, Right? If your older brother was Jesus, that'd be a little weird. You could just imagine Mary scolding the little brother, saying, come on, you guys, get it together. Why can't you just be like Jesus? And they're like, Mom, gee, he's perfect, you know? Or you could imagine Mary just, okay, James, come here, come here, I I got something to help you out. Listen, I, I, I want you to, before you make any decision whatsoever, I made you a bracelet to wear. It just says, what would Jesus do? So just wear that. And it'll help you, right? And and you can just imagine how frustrating that would be to have your older brother be Jesus, you know, God in the flesh. It'd just be so difficult. By the way, James, when he becomes older, he actually becomes a follower of Jesus. He's one of the leaders in the church of Jerusalem. Now, here's a question I want to ask you James follows Jesus as the Son of God incarnate. Here's the question I have for you. What would it take for you to become convinced that your older brother is the Son of God? It'd take quite a bit, wouldn't it? And here's James, and James becomes convinced that his older brother, Jesus, actually is who he said he was, that he is the Son of God in the flesh, and he follows him for the rest of his life. Here's what I want you to understand. If James can be confident that Jesus is the Son of God, you can be confident that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen? Amen. All right, so that's, that's just for free. You can just jot that down. That's, that, you don't even have to pay for that, okay. But there are all sorts of families pictured in the scriptures, and many of the families that are, that are given to us are deeply dysfunctional. So I want you to think about Cain and Abel, where one brother kills the other brother, or Jacob and Esau, where one brother swindles the other brother, or David and his son Absalom, who tries to overthrow him, and is murdered in the process, or Joseph and his brothers who beat him and sell him into slavery. And I bring these up because I want you to always remember when you're in the midst of chaos in your own family, that there are story after story after story of God redeeming the, the, the brokenness and the dysfunction of families for his glory. And if he can do that in the, these families in the scriptures, he can do that in any of our stories because God wants us to be at home in our family. So believe that, friends. Believe that God can restore and redeem your family relationships. And this Christmas, I want to challenge you to be at home with your family by slowing down and being together, by, by offering grace to one another and listening to one another. Our student ministries assures me that our kids want and desire loving adults invested in their lives, even if they can't say it or show it. Here's a quote from Reggie Joyner, who's on the front end of caring for students and children and ministries around the world. He says, God is at work telling a story of restoration and redemption through your family. Never buy into the myth that you need to be the right kind of parent before God can use you in your children's lives. Instead, learn to cooperate with whatever God desires to do in your heart today. So your children will have a front row seat to the grace and goodness of God. Amen. In other words, you don't need to buy into this illusion of perfection. That in order to be a good parent, you've got to have everything together. In fact, what is what arguing is, you actually are a better parent. When you simply recognize that you are in need of God's work and grace in your life and you embrace his work and grace in your life and you're authentic with it. Allow your kids to see that you're on that journey and that will bless them on their own. So friends, you can fill your calendar with activities this season or you can just make time to be together, to serve together, to play a game together, to eat a meal together And building these traditions in, by the way, it's really much easier in this season. Because it's Christmas, you can sort of blame it on the holiday. Hey, this Christmas, here's what we're going to do. And just kind of build it in. But create the home that you long for. Be together in love and be at home in your family. The next challenge, if you're filling in the blanks, is to be at home within your workplace. Be at home where it is that you work. And for some of you, you spend so much of your week at work, you need to make sure that it's home-like, and those relationships are like home. And for some of you, you actually work in your home, so for sure you need to make sure that your home is your workplace. But it raises the question, what if everything we do matters? You see, biblically speaking, Paul made tents, and Lydia worked with fabric, and David watched sheep, and Jesus worked with stone and wood and And so maybe work is a part of life, and because work matters, or because our lives matter, work matters. Maybe there isn't this chasm between what is secular and what is sacred because it's all under the umbrella of the glory of God. And and because so much of our work involves other people, maybe that's how we have a conduit of experiencing and expressing God's love to others. Certainly the Apostle Paul challenged us, to this. In Colossians 3.23, he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And you know, Paul didn't just suggest it; he did it, right? That next verse from Acts 18.3 says, because he, Paul, was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. He invested in their lives. He invested in relationships. He made his work, place, and relationships as home-like as possible. See, I was imagine a significant portion of us gathered today don't have family who live nearby or even in this country. Many on our staff don't have family in the area, which means that we are one another's family. And so the way you work with others helps them feel like they do have family because you care for them and you love them and you're here for them. This week I actually learned through my friend James Whitfield that the word kind, is actually built on the root word kin, k-i-n. And the, the idea is when you're kind to someone, you're expressing kindness to someone, you're actually treating them like family or in many cases better than your own family, right? And so you're you're expressing that love that is a family to familial type love. And so maybe this Christmas, that's the mental exercise you need to employ, that you see everyone, not just as your neighbor or colleague, but as your family worthy of love, dignified as a beloved brother or sister, so that you can be at home with your family, at home in your workplace. The next feeling is that you enjoy and embrace home despite and during this season of chaos. Despite enduring the season of chaos. You know, every year there is a certain amount of craziness to the holiday season. But I don't know about you, I have sensed that this year feels crazier than I can remember. Does anyone else feel that with me? And maybe it's because Thanksgiving was so late, I don't know, and that we're kind of late getting into this, but uh, you know, there are nine shopping days left until Christmas. Did the blood pressure just go up in the room a little bit? (laughs) Should we just close in prayer right now and release you? (laughs) And I'm just just recognizing that there's this chaos all around and this this stress and this pressure. And and so I want to suggest to you that there's a higher priority to land on these concepts well, better than, and, and in favor of just winning the holidays. See, the gifts that you would give that would be the right gift for the person who doesn't need anything or the Martha Stewart feast won't matter at all if we're not able to enjoy and embrace one another as family in our homes. So how do we do this? There there are a couple of suggestions I want to make for you. The first is to practice de-stressing. Practice de-stressing And there are many ways for us to practice de-stressing, to regulate yourself. Uh, Number one, you could hug one another a lot, right? Hugs are a way that we actually can, you know, de-stress and release tension. You can celebrate the present. You can focus on being present and grateful no matter what's going on, no matter how picture-perfect it is or it isn't. You can celebrate the present But let me just remind you of one of the most powerful tools, okay? On the count of three, I just want you to take a deep breath. Can you do that? One, two, three. Just inhale. Hold it for a beat. Now release it. Look up here for a second. You look so nice right now. It's amazing what happens when you just take a moment to reset yourself. And you, God has given us this gift, Like right, oxygenate, oxygenate your body, oxygenate your mind. And, and in that moment, you can actually just sort of reset and, and, and become present again and become mindful again. But I would suggest that our, actually, our, our church fathers and mothers, they actually practiced this as a form of prayer. They called it a breath prayer. And what they would do is they would breathe in and they would fill their lungs. And as they did, they would just in their minds or maybe even out loud if they could pray that, that they, would, they would envision themselves being filled by the Holy Spirit and inviting the Holy Spirit to come and to fill them up. And then as they exhale, they would thank the Holy Spirit for coming. And, and they would say, now empower me to live the life that you called me to live. And, and there would just be this way, this give and flow, this exchange of being filled by God. And then being released by him to live the life that he calls us to. And, and maybe that's what you do as well. But it's a form of de-stressing. That's the first challenge. The second challenge is that you would cultivate belonging in your home. You would cultivate belonging in your family. You would cultivate belonging with your work spaces. And what that means is you're communicating to whomever it is that God is bringing in your circle of influence that you belong here. That you can breathe easy here. That you can be yourself here. This is that deep and unconditional acceptance that you offer to your loved ones, to your colleagues you see, I, I recognize that there are actually those among us who don't feel very much at home anywhere. That, that Maybe you have this sense of not knowing where home is, that you, you don't know where you can relax and, and put your feet up. And, and I just want you to understand that in, in a certain sense, that's actually okay. The Bible, two different places, refers to this as, as a reality for those of us who are walking with the Lord in faith. So in 1 Peter 2.11. We're actually identified as sojourners and exiles. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 through 15, it talks about how people of faith are strangers and pilgrims. So you might want to write those four words down because if you're walking with Jesus, you're a sojourner, an exile, a stranger, a pilgrim, that you're looking for a homeland that you have not yet found. And I just know that some of you, you don't really feel at home anywhere. You don't feel at home in this culture. You don't feel at home in this country. Uh, Maybe you're always just a little bit on edge. You're always on your best behavior. And friends, I want you to know that actually makes my heart sad because that's a hard and exhausting way to live. But I do want to let you know that there actually is a small, small upside if that's been your experience. And here it is, that you already know this world is not your home because you've never experienced it as home. You already know this truth more tangibly than other people who feel right at home in this crazy and broken world. You know that friendship with the world isn't an option for you because it's never pretended to be your friend. And it's not much of an upside, I recognize that, but it is the truth and my heart does hurt for you and for the painful reality that you've experienced in this life. But listen friends, and this is where I wanna land the plane, that there is this intersection between home and Jesus. And the intersection between home and Jesus is right here at Christmas. It's what we celebrate in this season. You see, I I want to turn your thoughts to some incredible truths about the nativity. Specifically this, that the wise men were more at home in a distant land, kneeling at the feet of a child king than in the land of their youth. They were more at home bowing before an infant than they were in the place that they had grown up. Here's a quote, home is not where you're from, it's where you belong. In fact, you might want to write that down as a definition, home is where you belong. Home's not where you're from, it's where you belong. Some of us travel the whole world to find it, others find it in a person. And I want you to understand that this quote is more about Christmas than any quote I know. Because for people of faith, it's referring to Jesus, that our home is found in a person that you belong in Jesus and that I belong in Jesus. And Jesus himself is our true home. And that floors me. But there's something actually that amazes me even more than me being at home in Jesus. And that's the fact that the Bible says that Jesus actually makes his home in me. You see, this is what it says in Ephesians 3.17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. You might want to circle that phrase. Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So this is the promise that Jesus comes to us and that Jesus makes his home within our hearts. And it's powerful. And so the challenge I want to bring you this morning is for you and I to prepare him room. Right? That we would prepare him room in our hearts for him to come and to make his home here. And the scripture talks about this. Like, like, I want you to understand that in the nativity story, Joseph and Mary, they go to Bethlehem and everybody's there because of the census the Roman Empire's making them take and there is no room in the inn. Do you remember this? And they're knocking on doors and they're knocking on taverns and they're knocking on any of you know, the little, you know, Airbnbs, they were all booked and the VBROs, they were all done and, and they couldn't find anything. And, and finally, there was an innkeeper who says, oh, you know, I don't have any space. But what I do have, I will make available for you. And it's not perfect. And it's not really that clean. And it smells a lot like barn. But here's the deal. I will take what I have and I will make room for the arrival of Jesus. Amen. And that's what I want to encourage you today. I, I want you just to offer what you have. I want you to just say, Jesus, here I am, but I offer it to you. Would you come and would you make your home here? You see, Jesus himself says this in John 14, 23. He replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Can you circle that phrase again? We will come to them and make our home with them when we love him and obey his teaching. One of the great men of the Old Testament was a man named Enoch. And one of the few things that we know about Enoch is he was one of just a very few who was taken to be with the Lord before he died a natural death. And the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about Enoch, but it does say that he walked with God. That's, that's his sort of identification. That's his marker. He walked with God. And I heard about a Sunday school teacher who was explaining the story of Enoch to her young class. And she said, one day God showed up, showed up at Enoch's door and asked him if he'd like to go on a walk with him and talk. And so Enoch said, yeah, and he did. And from that day on, every day God came by Enoch's house and they went for a walk together. Enoch would be so excited that he would wait outside the gate for God to come every day. One day they went on a very long walk because they had so much to talk about. Pretty soon they were closer to God's house than to Enoch's house, so God suggested that Enoch just stay at God's house since it's closer, and Enoch never went home again because he had made his home with God. Isn't that a cool story? I just want to ask you, are you walking with God every day? Are you excited to talk with Him every day? Do you realize that heaven is simply a continuation of our, relation, our relationship with Jesus that we get to enjoy right now? See the taste of heaven that we get is going to be very similar to how it is that we walk with Jesus today how it is that we invite him to lead us and to guide us today, how how we allow him to make his home within our lives today. Because at Christmas, there's a title that we celebrate in Jesus. It's a title given to him before his birth, and the title is Emmanuel. Emmanuel simply means God with us. God with us. And that's What we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate Emmanuel. We celebrate God with us. And as he is with us, we are at home in him. See, the scripture is very clear about this. The whole story is about God choosing to come to make his home among us. John chapter 1 Verse 14 says, the Word, it's referring to Jesus, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Eugene Peterson says it this way. He says, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Right? He moved around the corner. He moved into our street. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. You see, Jesus came to make his home with our family. That's with you and with me. He came, as we trust him and walk with him, he came to be with us, Emmanuel. And as the scripture said, he moved into the neighborhood. He moved in right here. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus moved in. And his promise is he's never moving out. You don't have to worry about Jesus moving away from you. You don't have to worry if you're the space that you're preparing. You're thinking it's not nice enough. It's not good enough. He knows what you're offering. And he will come in and you trust him and walk with him. And he will take that space that you're giving him. And he will make it a beautiful palace for himself to dwell in. See, Jesus promises us that he's not moving away. He says... I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus says, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, friends, I want you to understand that even if our earthly homes aren't up to speed, even if we don't feel at home within this space, this time, this fallenness and brokenness, I want you to understand that Jesus has a home for you. He invites you to be at home with him. I want not you bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray together. Lord, this thought about you being our home is an incredible, incredible gift to us because we recognize that even within ourselves that there are so many things that we we wrestle with. We wrestle with relationships. We, we wrestle inside of our own minds and our own skin. We, we wrestle inside of feelings of homesickness. And yet when we return home so often, we, we just don't have what we seek and and so, Jesus, what we recognize now is maybe that thing we long for in our home, maybe it's only going to be fulfilled spiritually by you. Maybe it's only going to be fulfilled when we really recognize that in you, we are at home. And that without you, we will never be fully at home. And so, Jesus, we invite you now to come. We ask that you'd come and that you would find that within us... we. We're offering you space within our hearts and our lives, and we ask that that you would come and make your home within us, that we would be able to be yours, we would be able to be with you, that we would experience your presence as Emmanuel with us. And so we love you, Jesus, and we praise you, and we pray all these things Amen. in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
5: Now's a good opportunity to grab the connection card that I mentioned earlier, and, and again, on the front, maybe there's something in need of updating, and, and on the back, maybe there's uh, something that's come to mind that we can join with you in, in, in lifting up in prayer this week. And and as you're doing that, I, I just want to really encourage everyone in here, like, I feel like in so many ways that this is being applied. Everything that Pastor Mike that he shared, is it's 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 happening. It's happening. And, and I know it because I feel like I've been the recipient of it. Uh, we, m- neither my wife or I have family in the area. So this is our home. This is our family. And I know so many others that say the same. So I know this is true relationally. And, and, and then I start thinking just spiritually, how many people... That, that, that have come to Overlake, that they have made their life a home for Christ, that they have found their home in Christ. And so I know it's spiritually too. And then I know it's tangible because over the past couple weeks and talking to Pastor Josh and some others on the Safe Parking team, uh, the Overlake family has helped six different people move from homelessness, transition into some stable housing. And so, yes, Yeah. yeah. So this is quite literal, everything we're talking about, everything we're learning, everything we're leaning into, and, and, and my heart is let's not stop. Like let's keep going. Like I feel like we've just started to taste this in so many ways. So pedal to the metal, let's go. And and and, and I don't know if, if maybe at this point you've already seen inside the handout, kind of on the right hand side, upper upper right hand portion, there's a financial update. And, and and we're running to the dollar into the day about where we were last year. Uh, which is a little behind, like $290,000 behind. And, and usually I think I'd be freaked out, but I'm actually not. And part of it is the Lord's taken care of Overlake for a long, long time. It's not going to stop now. And we know if we all just lean in, if we're all a part of this, it just buries it. And and so the, the what comes to my mind is it's like, the Seahawks, maybe the offense have been a little sputtering here and there whatnot. You only get the ball so many more times and you know you got to score. Well, there's only so many days left in the year. So let's just get in the end zone together is, is, is what I'm thinking. So uh, as the buckets come by, it's one way that we're giving. It's not the only way. It can be done online or text to give as well. But, but let's, let's really finish this year strong. So ushers, you can come forward. We'll, we'll collect uh, connection cards, gifts, tithes, and offerings, and then we'll continue to worship now.
1: i okay.
3: you saw it all and said that it was good the joy was set before your eyes you knew He tore the
4: wealth, the angels sing, holy is His name. Defeated death, He
3: broke the grave, our hope returned.
2: Nothing to come again.
5: love the the clarity in which we really worshiped this morning that we were reminded God is for us and God is with us and that God is Jesus and there's 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 like, Christmas Eve is all about that good news and and and, and so let's be here. Let's come let's go co- let's come together at four o'clock, six o'clock, eleven o'clock on Christmas Eve to, to again just re-enter into this story, into this good news, to be reminded of this, and and then let's 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 invite our family and our friends and our neighbors and, and anyone else. And and so that's what these are in the handout. It's it's very Trinitarian, I like to say. There's three invite cards in one. You just get to tear off the top two. So uh, so use these throughout the next few days. Um, um, leading up to Christmas as you're thinking of, of who to sit with, who to invite, um, and, and it'll be a great, great time. Uh, second thing, and then I'd love to bless us out of here, is if there's any way we can pray for you before you leave, uh, just again, it's on the first floor. As you exit the worship center, an immediate left, we have signage that'll direct you there and a great team uh, that would just love to sit down and hear what it is. And and, and and maybe it's a praise, maybe this is good news and you just you just want something to someone to share it with. We, we love those as well. Well, let's do this. Receive these words of blessing. And as you do, instead of bowing your heads, just lift them heavenward. Let these words fall upon you. And now, Overlake, may you find strength in the truth that your home is in Christ and that he is inviting you to welcome your family and friends, coworkers, classmates, and neighbors into the same peaceful, joyful, and hope-filled home of his love. Amen. Have a good week, everyone. See you next Sunday.